So I sense that the love of the Lord is in the room. The love of the Lord is in the room. The love of God is here today for you. The love of God is here today for you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you could ever imagine or fathom or comprehend. His love for you is so great and it's so vast. He was willing to separate himself from himself in order to come down on this earth and die on a cross for you. Children, you're dismissed. You're <laughs> we love you. Thank you for joining us. We believe in you. We bless you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And everything I just said Jesus. stands for you, children. <laughs> the love is here for you today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh. Oh, yeah, so, Whew. Good morning. Good morning. It is. It is a good morning. This morning, we get to do this together as a team, which is kind of awesome. So you get both Jordan and I this morning. I hope that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we, before we came, uh, out of the prayer room over here um, this morning. I just felt it really heavily laid upon my heart to pray for uh, just the, I mean, the spirit of God should always go before everything we do. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I'm like, we should be operating in a, in a mindset that the spirit of the, of the Lord is the priority that the presence of the Lord is the thing we desire more than anything else on this earth. And we want to make sure that it's like, we're not just coming to church, but that we're coming because the presence of God wants to see his body collected together in worship to the Father, ministering to him in spirit and in truth. And that's the desire that was like, laid upon my heart when we were in this room over here praying this morning is that there be a consecration of the worship team, that there be a consecration of whoever's communicating from the platform, because just like the Levites were not able to carry the Ark of the Covenant without first consecrating themselves, we shouldn't be careless with the presence of God. We need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. And I think what we're experiencing, what we started to experience there, like, I'm, guys, I'm just so, super excited because it's like, oh, I'm like, we're, we're getting glimpses, we're getting tastes, we're getting more and more and more. The more we become a people that are consecrating ourselves and ridding ourselves of sin, ridding ourselves of, of, of unforgiveness, which is what we're talking about, people who are repenting before the Lord of all of the things we know we need to repent before the Lord, the presence, he's going to start to say, they want me there. Yes. Amen. They want my presence there that they're willing to put themselves completely on the altar in order that I might be first in their lives. And that's what I think we're starting to see a transition within this house of people that are saying, I'm willing to die to myself in order that the new man might live through me, the new woman might live through me, the new child of God might be born into this earth in order that God's will can go and be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so I feel like what was happening in those manifestations of the gifts that just were displayed was that of the presence of God dwelling up and, and stirring up in this place. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. And we don't want to, to in any way hinder the presence of God. Amen? Amen. And so just, you know, if, if, if and when things like the gift of tongues comes out in the room, don't shut it down, don't accuse it, and don't come against it. But instead, discern within yourself with God, all right? Discern the Spirit. And if you have questions about it, we've got people with answers. Yes. But we want to also understand that God developed the format of the temple for a reason. Amen. For it to be a place where his presence could dwell without killing everybody. Yeah. Right? He was very meticulous and intentional about that. We want to become a people who are meticulous and intentional about the temple within us. So that we are, we are becoming a, a people that can contain the spirit and understand. But we don't want to just be willy-nilly and careless with, this, with the presence of God. Or else we end up like Uzzah when King David first tried to bring the ark back to, the, to Jerusalem. And he put his hand, he thought he was doing a good thing. He caught the ark from falling off the cart, but he didn't realize he hadn't been consecrated to handle that presence, and he died on the spot. Guys, I'm telling you, that's the fear of the Lord. Yeah. That's the fear of the Lord. We want to be a people who understand we don't just carelessly handle the presence. So seek. Seek him. Seek him in his word. Grow in your understanding. Pray the song we were praising today. Pray for a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation to help you understand how to live your life holy and set apart unto God. God. Here's a whole other message. I'm just stirred right up. <laughs> this is not what we're talking about. I keep doing this every week. I just get flowing. Um, guys, I also want to come to you in a, a heart of... Oh, yeah, we should probably do that instead of assuming people know who we are. That's like a horrible habit. Hi, I'm Jordan Spencer. And I'm Kira Spencer. <laughs> My beautiful wife. Uh, we're the pastors here at Praise Fellowship. And, um, and yeah, we're, we're here to speak today. Uh, we're continuing a thought from last week, which was this idea of forgiveness. Um, but I just have to say I'm really sorry. And I have to repent before you guys. Some of you maybe not have realized this, but last week I was extremely fractured in the message, and I felt very detached. I was having a battle of the wills, if you can, it, it be, between being led by the Spirit in what I was saying and wanting to produce something for you. And it is not my responsibility to change your life. I wanted so badly to bring a message that would make you say, oh, if I do X, Y, Z, I will be forgiven. Because there's no method to it. There's no 10-step program for forgiveness. It is a supernatural working of the Spirit of God in your life. Amen. It comes through the Spirit of revelation. It comes through a Spirit of wisdom. That you are forgiven. You have to just come to the place of knowing you are forgiven. And last week, I was trying to formulate something of a message, a sermon. I took on false responsibility. 
Um, and I don't want to do that ever again. I can't promise that I won't fall short, but I can promise you my desire is always and will forever be to pursue more purity in my walk with the Lord and more understanding so that I am led by him in all things at all times. That's my desire, greatest desire. And so I wanted to start just by saying that I'm extremely sorry for, um, you know, I, I, and I praise the Lord because there were people that were like, oh, I got this last week and I got that last week and that was God. If you got something out of last week's message, that was God, because I felt like I was very detached in my communication and uh, not completing ideas. So praise the Lord. If he spoke to you last week, that was the Lord speaking to you. And so, um, so I just wanted to start by saying that, and then I just wanted to kind of put a, an exclamation point on the, uh, the message from last week and the point that I landed on, which was that compassion is a key for forgiveness. And I started to bring about all of these instances in which Jesus Christ um, was led in compassion towards people, right? He would look at them, have compassion, and heal blind people. He would have compassion. He held, healed the lepers. He had compassion on the widow, and he raised her son from the dead. You know, he is a compassionate God. And, and, and that was the point I was trying to make in that is just that God's compassionate heart led him to send the physical form of compassion to this earth, which is Jesus. I was trying to point out to you that Jesus is God's compassion for us. It literally is come passion. Right? We refer to the crucifixion of, of Jesus Christ as the passion of the Christ. Right? The passion. How many of you guys have seen that movie from years ago? That was God's compassion lived out on earth. And we look at that and we're just, a, it is offensive to us to see what was done to him. But that was how passionately he loves you. That's how passionately God is pursuing you. He made you with a plan and a purpose, and he's like, I just want you to walk in it. So much so that I'm willing to pay your debt forever so that you might know and taste and see that my forgiveness is real, that my passion for you burns and is unquenchable. That's what Jesus offers you today, is the compassion of God on this earth. And you can have it. But a lot of us are being held back in certain ways from that, and that's what we're going on to talk about today. Because as I said last week, one of the greatest sicknesses in the church today is unforgiveness. Of walking around with offended spirits, hurt spirits, and taking it on as a almost spiritual pride. But it's, it's not, if that makes sense. Like you feel, you, we, we sometimes qualify things as righteous anger. And it's, it's just masking, it's synthetic, it's masking unforgiveness in our lives. Where God has called us to make amends with one another. He's called us to this. And he led by example through Jesus Christ. So we, we want to make sure we are not walking in unforgiveness. Hence, why my beautiful wife, Kira, is up here with me. Because I can't possibly talk about forgiveness without it being relational. And so, so much of my understanding as to God's forgiveness for me has come through our walking through forgiveness together. 
Because this is what it is. God, you, and each other. And so relational forgiveness is key. We have to be able to forgive one another. We have to, or else we are not fit to bring a sacrifice to the altar. The word of the Lord says that. I'm not. If you are there to make a sacrifice and you recognize that you have some sort of offense with your brother, you are to go and make that right first. So we, wanna, we want to, uh, to touch on that. And so, yeah, we're <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, kind of the flow of how we're going to go from thought to thought to thought here. But uh, Kira was just going to touch a little bit more on just God's forgiveness from the merciful king's point of view. Uh, so last week, um, Jordan touched on the, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, and that is in Matthew. Um, 18. And yeah, Matthew 18, and um, here he really highlighted the, the master, that the master, um, there, there was this debt that the servant had accrued to the master that was so great, it was just unpayable. There was just no way he could ever, 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 ever pay it back, ever. And I just wanted to highlight that God... God forgives like that master forgives the servant. He forgives in complete abundance. He doesn't strain or stretch himself to forgive us. His loving heart is already overflowing, and his forgiveness towards us, mm. is sim- it simply comes from the overflow, yeah. not from his reserve tank. God doesn't have a reserve tank. Yes. He loves so much that his forgiveness, it's like a cup that's overflowing, with love, and, and the overflow is his forgiveness. Like, it, it doesn't empty himself to mm. forgive us. It doesn't take anything from him. It took his son. He gave himself. So don't get me wrong in that. It took his son. He gave himself completely for us. So it actually cost him everything. But now, because of his son dying on the cross, mm. that veil was torn, and we can enter in, and we become the temple, and, and, and the Holy of Holies rests. Mm. Whoo, that's, yes. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But because of that, and now we're under the new covenant, his forgiveness is the overflow of his love for us. Wow. Yeah, um, guys, the, uh, the king forgave the debt, which implies the king didn't need it. Right? The king didn't need the servant to pay him back. He was settling accounts, but the, the servant said, I can't pay it. And the king was like, I, I have compassion on you and let him go. God doesn't need whatever you have to give. He only wants you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's not, he's not sacrificing his son out of a, you know, out of, yeah, like she said, out of a reserve. Like it was, it's love abundant. Yes. And it equates to life abundant. Amen. So we're just going to look a little bit at the character and nature of Jesus and his forgiveness, Mm. which I could just talk about this forever, actually. (laughs) But Hebrews 1.3 references that he is the exact representation of the Father. And so if we want to look at the Father's love and who he is and his character and nature, we look at Jesus. So that's what we're doing. We're going to John 21, verses 1 through 17. Oh, just, oh, I love this. It's like probably one of my favorites in the whole world. In the whole world. 
I don't know why it's 17. It's not just one through 17. Um, oh yeah, it is one through 17, because it continues. Okay, so verse one is this. Are we there? You guys with us? Okay, all right. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were, were together. Well, I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. <laughs> well, we're coming with you, they told him. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Ooh, this is super duper familiar. This is after Christ's death and resurrection. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. This so cracks me up that they don't, they still don't know it's Jesus. Oh my gosh. Isn't that so, so familiar to us? Sometimes like he does things repetitively in our lives and we're like, don't realize it's him. And it's like so stinking obvious. That's why we need each other to reveal that Jesus is working in our lives, right? They can point it out for us. Um, so anyway, so they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and he plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. This is the second time Jesus did this miracle. It's just so beautiful because when Jesus calls Peter, this very miracle happened. Mm. When Jesus recalls Peter, this miracle happens. It bookends his love. So when they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there, this with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told him. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of the large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Mm. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This right here is what we're talking about. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he didn't, or that he even asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. This is such a beautiful depiction of Christ's heart for forgiveness because 
As many of you know, this particular action came after Peter's denial of Jesus Christ three times. And so there's two disciples that I really want to take a look at. This is the depiction of how Jesus forgives and how he so lovingly draws us back. Um, but I really want to take and look at this in, in, in juxtaposition of Judas Iscariot. As many of you know, Judas is the disciple who betrayed Jesus. Now Judas, here, and here's the reason I'm talking about this in relationship to our forgiving ourselves. Remember last week I said we're going to talk about God's forgiveness and then we're going to talk about what it is to forgive ourselves, what it looks like to forgive ourselves, and then ultimately relational forgiveness. Um, and in relationship to ourselves, this is something that it hit me. Uh, uh, actually, it was right after Kira and I, we sold everything and gone off into the mission field. And God was just doing this work of wiping away my identity, all of my resume, all the things that I claimed I was. And, you know, I was this and I was that and I had all this experience and everybody back here knew me for all of these things. And then I go off to the mission field and all of a sudden I've got nothing. <laughs> And it was scary, guys, to come face to face with how much I was I holding in idolatry all of these yeah. things that I, that I was identifying with. They were the things that made me who I was. And I was all of a sudden just, nothing was there. And what I realized is I had to put my trust in the Lord fully and completely. I had to put my trust in the Lord fully and completely, but what I had developed in myself was a series of broken trust cycles. Has, who has heard that term before? Trust cycles. Sort of a therapeutic term, maybe if you, you know, into psychology or uh, therapy or anything like that. Trust cycle is the idea that when we have a need, you know, we, again, it's relational. This whole thing is relational. We have a need. The need is determined. The need is met. And trust is established. And that's the, the, the easiest way to equate it to us is a, with an infant, right? Because it's kind of simple. The baby cries. You're like, okay, there's a need. And then you determine the need. Food changed sleep, <laughs> right? <laughs> like those, for the most part, the three basics, food changed sleep. You meet the need, and the baby learns to trust you. The baby learns it's safe. The baby learns it's cared for. The baby learns so much about their relationship to their parent through these trust cycles being completed. I'm like, but in my life, what I realized is I knew from growing up in the church what was right or wrong, and I was making a lot of decisions especially in my later teen years, into my college years, into moving to New York City, where I knew what was right, but I was choosing what was wrong. And what I was doing was fracturing my ability to trust myself. And I didn't realize it until this moment that I was holding unforgiveness in my own heart towards my ability to make right choices. And it was fracturing my spiritual relationship with my Heavenly Father. Anybody, anybody, you guys with me? Yeah? Stay at home? I'm like, I had to come to terms with the fact that I didn't actually trust myself to always and consistently make right decisions. 
I didn't, I didn't trust myself to, to look at the options between good and bad and choose good. Choose what I knew was what God wanted me to choose. And because I continually was falling short and, and, and falling short, I started to not be able to forgive myself and I started to condemn myself. I started to end up uh, really feeling I was worthless, feeling that I was, um, I just started to have kind of a really low self-esteem despite all of my, you know, presentation. I, con- I, I confessed to somebody while we were down in Kona for the first time that I actually lacked self-esteem. And they were like, you? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I really don't know. Like, I'm, I'm struggling with, like, who I am right now. But while I was there, it was so beautiful. While I was there, there was about four or five times that different people, were, we were praying together with, in groups at this school, and, and they were like, I heard a word from the Lord for you. And I was like, what is it? He loves you. Amen. You're his son, and he loves you. Same word, like four or five times. You're his son, and he loves you. You're his son, and he loves you. And what I realized is he was re-identifying me. He was finally, like I was finally realizing my true identity in God. And it was like the, you know, the Peter moment where he comes up, do you love me? And he repeats it, do you love me? Do you love me, right? Um, yeah, praise God. But in, in, in opposition to this, what we have is we have two guys who both broke trust through decisions that they made. Judas, who was stealing money from the money bag. He was a disciple. He's one of the 12. He's supposed to be close with Jesus. But meanwhile, as they're going through their life and ministry with Jesus, they're taking money. He's taking money, and he's essentially embezzling. And, and he gets to the point where his greed is so great that in um, the book of John, it says Satan had his heart. He had, he had grown to the point where he was identifying separate from the Father, and he was identifying as worthless. He was identifying as, this is all I am, this is who I am, and this is, it's, his heart was identifying with sinner. And, and, and so he ends up betraying Jesus by walking to the, to the Pharisees and, and ultimately taking for 20 pieces of silver blood money. And, and, and Jesus goes to the cross. And so what Judas does that's different is Judas, when, when Jesus gets arrested and Jesus ends up condemned, Judas has a, a, a repentant heart. He has a heart of repentance for what he did. But what he does is he goes back to the men. He goes back to the priests and he says, this is blood money. And they say, what, is, what do we have to do with that? Because they, he's going to people who are sinners and he's looking for forgiveness in the wrong place because you can only be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can only be forgiven by Jesus. And so he comes to the priest and he says, he's like, take this money. I, I don't want this blood money. And they say, it's on you. And what happens is he, then he, because he doesn't receive the forgiveness he's looking for from these men, he ends up in absolute bitter hopelessness and takes his own life. Yeah. And far too many of us, 
are walking around in, with unforgiveness towards our decisions we've made in life, and we're going around to other people saying, somehow make this right in me. And we're seeking all sorts of different mechanisms or methods to see our wrongs made right when there is only one person who can. Jesus. And so in opposite of that, in opposition of that, you have Peter, who made a lot of wrong decisions. I mean, Jesus literally looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> this is the actions of a man who was impetuous. He, was, he had lacked self-control. He cut a guy's ear off. I mean, these are bad choices, people. And then beyond that, he goes, and as Jesus is being arrested and taken to the cross, he denies him three times, knowing that part of Jesus' message was, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Jesus had already taught him that lesson, and he still denied him three times. And so Jesus in his, or Jesus, Peter in his hopelessness, he, he, he disqualifies himself from the ministry and he goes back to what he's familiar with and he goes back to fishing and he separates himself, which is what a lot of us do when we start to look at ourselves as worthless, when we start to think of ourselves as hopeless and helpless and how can we ever possibly make this right. And he goes back, but the hound of heaven, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he sends, he sends the disciples, or the angels actually send the disciples, go tell Peter. And then he comes and meets Peter. That's why the disciples are with him, because he's gone back to fishing. And then he, he, Jesus comes and meets them, and he's just like, Peter, it's me that can forgive you, and only me that can forgive you for the things that you've done, for the, wrongs, the wrong choices, for the betrayal, and for denying me. And so this is the difference between where you can find forgiveness internally with what you've done and the choices you've made in your life. You can't find it in men. You can't find it in methods. You can't find it outside of, of God. Or Peter, who found his forgiveness, but only in the one with the power to forgive. And I, guys, last week I wanted to lead you to water and make you drink. This week, all I can do is lead you to water. You have to choose. If you're going to let go of unforgiveness in your life towards your own choices, and if you're going to identify yourself no longer as whatever profession, whatever marriage, whatever parent you are, whatever or child you are, or whatever, you know, whatever earthly definitions, whatever you have on your resume, university you've gone to, you know, previous whatever accomplishments, those do not and cannot ever satisfy you. They will not satisfy you. <laughs> Only Jesus can. And it's that's ultimately what we're saying this morning. The, um, Kira was going to share a little testimony just about um, how this is related to her and in, in, in relationship to her momming. So it's interesting because Judas hmm. 
I'm already starting to cry a little bit. <laughs> Judas, when he received that conviction, it was condemnation from the enemy, which was so loud because he had allowed Satan to enter him. So he could barely even, barely even hear the conviction from the Holy Spirit because it was condemnation that he was feeling. Hmm. And it, it led him to suicide. Peter, when he sees Jesus, he takes off all his clothes and he jumps in the water. He couldn't get to him fast enough. <laughs> Our response to the Father matters. Yeah. And I've just been in a place in my life where I've just dealt with a lot of self-pity and shame and in, in my life, like, you, you know, a couple weeks ago, oh, thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. But, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, I shared um, our story, my story, my testimony, which is our story. If you didn't listen to it, you just, you can go back and listen, or you can just ask us. We'll tell you. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to share on a topic that is just like, the Lord this has just been recent in the last two years. Um, my kids are so awesome. And Chloe is like amazing. And she's also very different from me. She's just like Jordan. And so as a little girl, I'm like, I don't even know who you are. I love you, but I don't know you. You know, just like, just, just like, and then, you know, her, like my, Anger just started to grow and grow, and then I would react in anger, and I would just be, like, just disgusting to my kids. And then I would just wallow in that same self-condemnation. Just, just, there was just so much condemning that I did to my own self, like, mm. what a horrible mother you are. Are you kidding me? You're never going to get it right. Are you serious? Like, why will you not stop yelling at them? Like, you're, you're always the problem, Kira. Always the problem. And I would just come to Jordan, and we would have conversation. I'm like, I'm always the problem. And I just couldn't get out of it. I just couldn't get out of it and couldn't get out of it. I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm dealing with so much anger. And the more I'm, like, in my word, the more I'm praying, the, like, I, it's like... It's like within me and it's just getting bigger, not smaller. What is happening? Hmm. And we went to Kona, <laughs> became missionaries. We went into our training. And one of the things, one of the goals was like, Lord, I need you to take a scope to my anger and I need you to obliterate it. Whatever it takes. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm here to be ruined by your love and forever walk away from this anger. And I don't know how to do that. And there was this awesome deliverance ministry that happened. And I got delivered. And come to find out, actually, <laughs> there's always a route to our anger. This is a whole nother. That's a whole nother yep. route. But... There are always roots to our emotions. Mm -hmm. It goes deeper than we could ever, like it goes deeper. Like memories from childhood, all mm -hmm. of these things. There, that, that is, just so you know, 
if you're struggling and you know that there's got to be something else, like it's, something's not working right, come to us because we have people we can get you in touch with that know how to work through this. And so, anyway, I'm dealing with my anger. I go through deliverance and I find out that it is control issues. <laughs> like, I'm not a controlling person. I'm like super chill, easy. Like, I don't care if somebody's late to a meal with me. Like, whatever, I don't care. You're like 10 minutes late. I just got to like text a couple people back, so I don't care. You know, but when it came to my kids, when it came to my kids, somehow in something inside me was like, you will respect me. <laughs> you know, like, I require your obedience because that's what I deserve. I'm your mother and I birthed you. You know what I mean? It's just this, like, domineering thing that just, ooh, it was disgusting. And it just crept in my life, and it just, it just grew and grew. And Chloe and I just grew further and further apart. And I was just like ruined. I'm saying it's a trust cycle. It's relationship. It was broken. Like I broke a trust cycle with her. Yeah. And she with me. Hmm. And so I got delivered. And it was the most incredible thing of my life. But one thing that I really recognized, let me tell you, if you're dealing with unforgiveness towards yourself, here's a sign. Be ready? Here's a sign you're dealing with unforgiveness towards yourself. Gosh, I'll never get it right. What the heck is wrong with me? Gosh, why am I so stupid? If you are cursing yourself, and I will say, it actually, I learned this, I didn't know this. It is cursing yourself. Yeah. If you're saying, I'm never enough, I'm not enough. I'm I'll never get it right. Yeah. I'm so stupid. Like, why, why does anyone even love me? This is a sign that you are dealing with unforgiveness towards yourself. Yeah. And I will say, Proverbs says that yeah. there is power, the, the power of the tongue has, or the tongue has the power to, to give life or to yeah. speak death. Yeah, blessings or curses. Life and that is death. blessings versus curses. And you are cursing yourself. And I will say, this is like, this is something I've learned. And it's like really changed my life. When we curse ourselves and we are continuing to walk in unforgiveness towards ourselves, we are actually opening the door to the enemy to torment in our lives. That's actually what is happening. And then he has a legal right because you actually curse your own self and slaving yourself to him. And he has a right over your life suddenly. I just want to say something really quick too to the, uh, the older generation in the room if you're if you're of the mindset and i hear it i've heard it so many times spoken to me you're like you're young you can do this or you can do that if you're of the mindset that because you're old you're set in your ways and you're never going to change that's a curse that's a curse you don't have to accept that it is it just is how it is this is how i've always been you don't all right so i just want to speak that right now over this house there's no there's, that you're saying God has no power in that situation. Yeah. God has all the power you need to see yeah. brokenness yeah. taken out of your life. Yep. So because you've been, oh, you know, married, whatever, 50-some years, it just is how it is. No. 
No. Come passion. Come passion. Back into that marriage, back into that union, back into that individual. God can change you. You're not stronger than him. You just have to lay it down. And that's exactly what he did with me. He came and he told me, Mm. this is something I need to repent of. Along with the spirit of control and all these things, like just to break it off for good. Just break it off. Just say some prayers with me, Kira. No big deal. We're going to get this thing off you in my name and through my blood. Amen. And so we did. (laughs) And so... If Guys, you're it was, it was, I've got just, this has just kind of funny because she was so different towards our children. She was like the way that they were acting. And I'm like, aren't you mad at that? And she's like, no, I'm good. And I'm just like, well, now I have to deal with it. Like all of a sudden I was like the way she used to deal with the children was so predictable because she was being, she was being ruled by a spirit of control. And so she would handle certain situations. And then all of a sudden I was like, but, but. I don't know what to do now. (laughs) Like I was literally for a season lost in parenting because she was no longer under control of that spirit in her life. She was no longer being over oppressive of the children, but she was recognizing that she had taken on false responsibility over two lives that she's not actually responsible for. If you, you you understand what I'm saying? God made them. God made them with a plan and a purpose. He knit them together, and he's responsible for what they're going to do. And we are serving him and loving them, but we can't control their actions. They're separate people from us. And so we have to get to a point of understanding that. That you, if there's something going on, I'm telling you the most powerful, wonderful thing you can do is go to God. Take it before the Lord and say, God, I don't know how to, to see this shift or change. I can't make them do this differently. They are their own person, but I'm coming to you because I know you can. And just take that before the Lord and you'll see the breakthrough, I promise. You'll see it. Yeah, you know, so the Lord walked me through this healing that I received and then I haven't ever cursed myself ever again. And let Mm. me tell you, this was daily all the time cursing myself. And it's changed my life. It's actually amazing how much joy I have in my life. And so I just implore you, Hmm. it's time to forgive yourself. It's time to receive the Father's love. You know, Peter's first... Are you good? No, go ahead. Okay. Um, His first encounter with Jesus after his denial was when Jesus cooks him breakfast. Hmm. Like Jesus comes to us when we've betrayed him through betraying ourselves or just betrayed him all of the things he comes to us and he just prepares a meal hey i love you i love you i love you there's no other god that does that he's the one true god he's cooking him breakfast like it's like somebody, like our, our story, okay? So I'll take our story. So I was unfaithful in our marriage years ago before we had kids. And it would be like 
me still like wallowing in my sin and Jordan coming to me and knowing what I've done. And he's like, hey, babe, come on, we're just going to have some breakfast. I love you. I love you. Another example of this is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Mm. Mm -hmm. Judas was in the room. Judas hadn't even betrayed him, but it was in his heart. Oh, I take that back. He betrayed him. He gave the coins. You know, he did. He'd been stealing money. But he hadn't gone back. He still had time to walk away Mm -hmm. from that decision. And Jesus gets down, and he washes his feet. Regardless of knowing that that man was go- it was the one who sent him to the cross. Deep betrayal. How many people in this room have exp- experienced relational betrayal? We're talking about that next week. Yes. Jesus was the most betrayed person. <laughs> Everyone ran away from him. Besides just a small few, everyone. His closest friends betrayed him, walked away from him. He is the one who can come in and love you and wash your feet and say, I love you. You ready to come back home? I love you. And you know, I... Oh, oh, sorry. I was just... No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Here's the thing. God's kindness leads us to repentance. Pastor Peter a couple weeks ago talked about repentance and the deep need for it. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, if you are struggling in your life, we need to repent. Amen. Like when we're struggling in our life, either we're having things happen to us and we're agreeing with them, or we're walking in our own sin. There's just all of it. It's like we repentance is coming back into the presence of God and just being fully encompassed in his blood and his love. Hmm. But his hmm. kindness leads us to repentance. He cooks the meal. We're like, yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you know I love you. You know. I was like, Jordan, I've betrayed you. You know I love you. You know, you know I love you. You know, it's, it's, it's that, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I just want to I just want to touch in this like little aspect that the Lord revealed to me like true repentance includes receiving forgiveness from the Father. Mm, yeah. Because it's not just an I'm sorry and we kind of Peter Pastor Peter talked about like the act of repentance and walking in the opposite direction and really making amends with the Father because our sin is not a joke it's actually real. And we need to give it to yeah. Jesus. It's the best. Let me tell you, it's just the best. It's the, it's the best. <laughs> it's not just an I'm sorry. It's not just walking in the opposite direction of the sin. It's taking the time to receive his forgiveness. Yeah. Ephesians 1.7 is, In him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Receiving, if we don't take time to receive his forgiveness, we're going to continue walking in bondage. We're going to be enslaved. If we don't receive his love that he has for us, which is never-ending, overflowing, more than we could ever imagine, joy beyond joy, all of these things are actually our inheritance here on earth. Because when Jesus died and we said yes to believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior, heaven doesn't start in, in eternity. Like, we don't get to, like, oh, yes, now when I die, I get to go to heaven. No, heaven begins now on earth because we are made as a new creation, washed and regenerated by his yeah. blood. And we get to inherit full joy. These are the things that, that, it, that it takes, is receiving his forgiveness. And let me tell you, it's super duper uncomfortable sometimes because we are dealing with worthlessness. In our culture today, we are dealing with so many identity issues and worthlessness, it's ridiculous. Me included, him included. And we have decided no, no. We're going to stand in his presence. His presence is our priority. Yeah. And we're going to repent as often as we can. And we yeah. want to be held accountable. Yeah. We want to be in our word. Yeah. We want to pray more and more and more. We're not, we're not satisfied yeah. with normal Christianity. Amen. Mm. We want super, the supernatural to be our normal. Jesus reconciled Peter back to himself three times. Peter denied him. Three times Peter confessed his love for Jesus. I'm sure so many of you in this room know that already. Jesus did not, or Peter denied Jesus three times. And three times Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter, Shh, yes, I love you. Denial gone. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Denial, gone. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Denial, gone. Obliterated forever and ever. Washed and drowning in the sea of forgetfulness. Forever, forever, ever. Peter didn't get to glory and say, Jesus, forgive me for my denial of you. It's gone. It was gone. It had already been gone. This is what redemption looks like. This is our story. We get to stand before you as an example of what God's grace and his redemption looks like. Mm. This is our story, and it can be yours too. Mm. It is yours if you've already said yes to Jesus. And if you haven't, ah, oh, yes, please do so today. Yeah. Please do so today. It's the best decision that we've ever made. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, as we've done past several weeks, we want to offer an opportunity at this point um, for people to accept that forgiveness, for people to come before the Lord and say, God, I, I know I've broken trust in myself and my spiritual relationship with you is damaged because I have in the past made wrong decisions, but I want to, in faith, right now, before the Father, say, forgive me. And just receive a, um, 
just a complete breaking off. Because once you receive, truly receive the forgiveness, like she said, it's not just saying sorry, and then even acting in repentance, walking the other way. It's, you have to re- actually have a spiritual revelation of the forgiveness received. Because guys, I have, done, I have done the I'm sorry and tried to walk the other way in my own strength. Yeah. And, then I've, and then I've sinned again. I've, I've had habitual sins in my life where I would break my trust and break my trust and break my trust. And, but when you actually receive the forgiveness of the Father, spiritually receive it through revelation, then the sin is no longer the same. That sin is blotted out completely. If you mess up again, it's something completely different. And it can get less, and it can get less, and it can be gone with every time you repent and seek yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. That's how I overcame pornography addiction in my life. I'm telling you guys, those types of habitual addictions that go on in somebody's life, I was only saying sorry and trying to walk in repentance. I never took the time to receive the forgiveness of the Lord in my life. When I finally received the forgiveness of the Lord in my life, they became longer spans of time that I was walking because I was like, I don't want to abuse the grace of Jesus. I don't want to abuse the love of Jesus Christ in my life, so I'm going to go. And it's not a matter of striving. It's a matter of knowing you're loved. So that if, and if you do mess up again, plead the blood over that situation. In other words, say, God, I'm so sorry, but I know just like you blotted it all out before, you're going to keep blotting it out. And come to him with true repentance. Again, take the time to receive the forgiveness. Because I'm telling you, those types of repetitious attacks, those things will lead you super fast into the hopelessness and despair and worthlessness. And cursing yourself, I'm never going to change. I'm never going to be free from this. Yeah. But guys, you can. Yeah, I just. I can, I'm like, sorry, I can stand here right now and declare it. Yeah. Because I am. Through Christ. Yes. I am. You know that, just one more thing on that word cursing. When we curse ourselves, Jeez. we are sending ourselves right back into the place we don't want to be. Break it off today. We can break it off in the name of Jesus. We can be rid of it for good, forever. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say, read these two verses to you just in closing as you uh, take before the Lord what you've heard today. Take before the Lord and say, God, are you asking me to make and take action? Are you asking me to come? with passion for you so that you can have compassion on me in this moment and let your son's blood be enough for the, for the mistakes that I've made and the, the, and the sins that I've made and the, the broken trust. Are, as you take these things before the Lord, I just want to read these passages over you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and and I will give you rest. Just close your eyes and just receive that invitation. Close your eyes and just be with the Lord in this moment. Receive that invitation. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
If it resonates with you to be at the altar, come to the altar. If it resonates in any way, shape, or form to go to your knees or just to just lean back against him and breathe, let it happen. Give yourself over in full surrender to the Father this morning. Don't just say, sorry, I'll do better, but receive the forgiveness of Jesus in your life today. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isaiah 44:22 says, I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud, your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Father God, we, we ask that you do a work in people's lives this morning. Lord, the Holy Spirit, we ask that you do a work in all of our lives this morning, Father God. Let us be a humble people who are willing to see our own flaws, our own brokenness, and not try to cover it up, not try to figure out a way, a man's way in which to not look broken, not try to seek man's forgiveness, but let us come to you, Jesus Christ, the only one who can forgive us. Let us confess these things before you and receive your precious love. Receive the breakfast you have prepared. Receive the blotting out of each and every time we've denied you. Because that's what our sin is. Our sin is a blatant denial of, of you. to varying degrees. Lord, we don't want these things in our lives and we don't want to be holding unforgiveness in our hearts towards ourselves or towards anyone, but especially not towards you, God. We ask that you do a work in us today. focused on him, where you are focusing your heart on him, you're focusing your mind on him. I know AJ and the team have another song of worship, and we're going to let them just play it out. Receive it. Engage in it to whatever degree you want to, but don't, do not dismiss the presence before it's meant to be dismissed in your own situation. He is doing a work. Are you like Peter and you are so anxious to see that work done that you're willing to jump out of the boat and swim to it? 
Yes, we're free and free forever. Amen. When those rest in my life began, oh, we're free and free forever. We're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. Where death was arrested and my life began. Oh, we're free, free forever. We're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. Death was arrested. My life began, oh, we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free, forever, amen. When death was arrested and my life began.
but for those in this room, we're gonna just keep it a holy place. So if you wanna talk and chat, which we highly encourage you to do, please do it out in the hallway, thank you.